Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're in a Save Your City message series. And uh, I don't want it to be cliche like, oh, save a city. That sounds so awesome. Uh, I could barely get to church yet last week. Save a city, though. I'm in Save a City. Um, but I had the revelation on it. You know, I'm just celebrating 16 years this weekend. And props to my beautiful bride. I mean, it's tough being married to me. I mean, so whenever you think of me, actually, just pray for my wife. I'm serious. But I, I you know, it's amazing. And uh, what I really realized was how I wanted to unpack this. I was just thinking about when I was single, how I would have to microwave meals because I was such in a busy rush. I didn't have time. And, you know, I miss mama's cooking and my grandma, man, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I got married and my wife's learning how to cook along the way. But early infancy, I mean, it's like 16 years. Now we're getting some home cooked meals, baby. That's what I'm talking about. But early on, how many know microwave meals? They are something that got me through, but there's nothing profound about them. Matter of fact, you're just ruining every nutrient, if you didn't know that, just by that microwave. And the truth is, most of the time, the middle's cold. And it was so frustrating to look at this thing that could have potential. And then there's been many times it was frozen in the middle. And uh, I don't know how God was giving me a revelation on you're going to a city and you want to make sure that they don't have a microwave mentality. I was like, oh, Lord, do you have any more like uplifting words for my people? Um, But it really, in this series, because a lot of people say, hey, let's save a city, but they can't even disciple themselves. They say, let's save a city, but they can't even commit, you know, to show up to connect group. Hey, let's save a city. I'm going to fast this week for my city. They don't make it a day. But they want, we're going to save a city, people. What does that even mean these days? I'm going to save a city. Oh, do you invite anybody to church? Crickets. I invited like five people to church. Are you here? No, zero. I already know you're not here. They text me. But I'm loving, I'm believing every time I come preach here, I have some people God put on my heart that they will get the invitation every single time. I don't know how I lost out to fishing this morning, but I am now going to curse fishing for my friend. No, I hope my friend is blessed and he calls me with a picture and I'll say, church next time, since you got your biggest catch ever. But I want to tell you that if we're going to save a city, we got to get our lips in alignment with our heart, our lips in alignment with our actions. You know, I love that we do baby dedications. Literally, that was like a model family, and we did not pay them to come up just to do baby dedications. I was thinking to myself, dang, there's some good-looking people up here. But when I look at who names their kid Ford, that's amazing. I'm going to sell my Ram today. Like... If the Lord's going to give me another baby, I'm, I'll name him. I'll change the M stats. Can I have one more baby, please? No. Even, did you see how cute that little Ford was? We could have a little Chevy. But good looking family. I know, this is what happens when you have no sleep. You just say things. And this is all my internal dialogue that you can't stop. 
I said no sleep last night. Half of it, I think I was just worried to get to church. It was a snowstorm. And when you're from San Diego, you get nervous when the mist comes in. It was like a marine layer. I'm like, babe, I wonder if I can go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Highway 15 is going to be crazy. Snowstorm here. I was like checking my phone. Ways. Is there a ways to get to church in the morning? Do we got to leave at 3? I said, babe, we got to wake up at 5. We're going to have to leave Park City four hours early. She goes, I'm not going with you then. So I said, all right. It's a little stressful. You're from San Diego. It's the same temperature all year long. When the Marine comer, comes in, Marine layer, that's clouds, by the way, uh, you know, you just don't know what to do down there. So you got these San Diego people up on the mountain. They're just panicking. But I got up early. I had the guys put chains on. It was amazing. Uh, then they took them off because we didn't need them. But good exercise. Good exercise, you know. So Sorry. I don't know where that went. Yeah, back to my saving a city. And the good-looking family, that's where I got sidetracked. See what happens? But I'm saying we, we'll get up here and be like, yeah, because, I mean, we're not going to, we don't baptize kids. When you give your heart to Jesus, that's a personal decision. So if someone made that decision for you to be baptized, just so you know, biblically, it has to be your decision. So if you've never said, I want to be baptized under your own volition, you're not baptized. You can sprinkle babies, but that's called sprinkling babies. Dedication is just a parent saying, we're going to dedicate our life to raising and training up a child in the way they should go. And that's biblical. And to see that family make a stand, we can say with our lips, yeah, we're committing for you until all hell breaks loose. And then we're going to find out where you're at. What kind of Christian are you going to be? I'm telling you, I'm a little intense, probably because I grew up a little. I'll try to tone it down. Sorry, sorry. Jesus, help me. I just grew up in a Christian home, and for 30 years, my parents were married for 32 years. That's why 16 doesn't impress me. And in 32 years, the enemy came in and took them out. They got divorced. They both loved Jesus. They both went to a church. Pastor didn't want to get involved because he liked them both. Exactly, ew. <laughs> and I said, I don't know if I like Christians, because where were they when the devil came attacking my family? Everyone didn't want to say anything, but we we're all good Christianese people, all saying it with our lips. We want to save a city, but I can't even help the Hubbard family. Hypocrites. I know, it sounds intense, but let me just tell you, thank God that he put enough scripture in my heart that even when I went off, I was trained up in the ways they should go, and I came back around, I repented, and I met one pastor that restored my hope and faith in what Christianity could look like. He always pointed to Jesus. He always pointed to the Word of God. He didn't give me some claptrap stuff and personal development, blow some sunshine, I'll walk on coals and change the world. I've done all that. But let me tell you, there is an enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he starts with marriage. He wants to make sure there's no legacy. So when I get a chance to step into the pulpit, I'm going to preach it straight fire, straight what the Word of God says. And I say it in reverence to, I don't want to offend anybody, but don't play Christianese. Don't put on the mask and pretend everything's okay and say, oh, yeah, we'll pray for that family. We'll help train up, raise up, do all that stuff. Either mean it or just don't say it. 
but don't be the one that say it and then you fold like a deck chair. I want to know who's in my foxhole. I want to know who God sent into my campus. And, so, and listen, and I'm honoring Matt, Pastor Matt and Loren Tuggle. God sent them up here to shepherd well. I get to be over the regional, but they are shepherding you. I can come in and drop it like it's hot and mess some people up. They'll, he'll be here to shepherd you and pastor you and clean it up. But don't let this take you out. I'm just intense because, and, and I feel like I attract all the intense people to San Marcos. I'm raising up lions that have a roar. Maybe they lost a roar, but they're going to get the roar back. I treat this like war. You come to emerge, it's war for men. You're coming in broken, beat down with some swords that are broken off and, and feeling bad for yourself. I'm going to say it how it is, but I will love you through it if you can handle that sort of fire. It's refiner's fire. You can't forge a sword in an ice bath. It's good for inflammation. It's good for your heart. It's really good for you. I like ice baths, but you don't forge metal and create a sword in an ice bath. You put it in a fire. And under the refiner's fire, that's where you're forged into something that God put on the inside of you. Talking about microwaves this morning because guess what? A lot of times I sit down with business people. I sit down with pastors. I sit down with some of my team in leadership. And I can tell that we're starting to adopt a microwave mentality because the world has that. Convenience, fast pace, this, that, I want it now. Listen, I got a gift. I should be on a worship team. Why can't they just let me on? What, what do you mean this three-month onboarding process? I can't wait for that. Wait, wait, but wait a minute. Lord, you told me that I was supposed to start this business. Why am I not a billionaire yet? Wait, wait, come on, Lord, it's been a year. Why am I not crushing it yet? You, you promised me that I could get breakthrough in this. We're... See, what happens is when grandma came over, when I come home from college sipping on those microwavable plastic meals, my grandma would ask me on a Friday night when I got there, what do you want on Sunday, son? Sunday, Grandma, I just want something right now. Oh, I'm making something special on Sunday. She let that thing marinate for two days. I'd sit down on Sunday after church and have the best meal of my life that I could still taste it right now. My mom would make orange bonots that would you have to leave in the leave out overnight to let the yeast rise, and I'd want to eat it right then. My wife, my, my wife, my mom, she'd be like, "If you want cookies, I can make those right now. If you want an orange bonot, you can get them tomorrow after church." I always waited for the orange bonnets, but they took time. My grandma's meal took time to marinate. If you want to be the type of Christian that's going to change the city, I could recommend let's not be the microwavable businessman. Let's not be the microwavable businesswoman. Let's not be the microwavable disciple at Awakened Church. Let's not just like, I want it now. I just started coming. I want breakthrough now. God can do anything in a moment, but can we trust him to let us marinate? Don't worry. I'm going to back it up with scripture, but it's just like... There's a gift on the inside of every one of us. I know you're worth more than 20 hours a dollar, you know, $20 an hour right now at that job you're doing. But the truth is, can you be faithful where you're at so God can build something on the inside of you to use you and you can get and walk into that payday? It might not be now. It might be your turn. It's just not your time. I want to go real quick to the Bible. It's always a good place to go when you're preaching, by the way, because I need you to ask them yourself questions. Can you be faithful to let people disciple you? Can you be faithful to let people coach you, speak life into you? See, a lot of times when I see people that I'm trying to help marinate in the kingdom, they take themselves out of that bowl. They always play the God card. It's the only card you can't trump. The minute someone's go, yeah, I feel like God told me I got to... 
I have nothing else to say as a pastor. I have never played the God card with my pastor, ever. God confirms his word. So why would I never even need to play that card for my pastor? God's going to confirm it. Wouldn't he tell my pastor who loves me, looks after me, wants the best for my life? He's proven his track record 17 years strong. God always confirms his word, but it's amazing. I can never trump somebody who walks up to me and the first thing they want to tell me, whether it's business, ministry, life, moving here, there, play the God card. There's nowhere to go. I would recommend don't play that because the minute you play it, you're out of the marinating dish of what God's doing for your life. He put you somewhere for a reason. I want you to know that in Genesis 45, it starts earlier in 41, but this is one of my favorite stories about Joseph. And this is what the word was specifically for this church in this season and this time, all three of them, but someone specifically because in, in, in Genesis, talking about Joseph, he was 17 years old when he was sold to slavery. Listen, he was young, 12, 13, 14. He was having dreams, telling his brothers, telling his dad, wearing a spiffy coat of many colors, walking around with his red-bottom shoes, going, yeah, I got plans for my life. I'm going to do something big in my life. God's showing me things that are going to be bending down, bowing down to me. I'm going to do something supernatural in my life. I got big plans for this boy. But guess what? His brothers didn't like those plans, sold them into slavery. He got sold into another land, and let me tell you, that wasn't on his plan. And when he got down there at 17 years old, do you think he was spiritually immature? Come on. What 17-year-old? If you're 17, I totally think you're mature. You look great. <laughs> but what I want to tell you is, like, come on, we know what a 17-year-old is like. He's sent down there. He sold it. He's like, what, what did my brothers just do to me? He had every reason to be a victim. And then when he got down there, you see Pharaoh's queen, the mama of the house, beautiful, the most beautiful woman in the land, coming after a 17-year-old. Who has self-discipline to say no to that? But he does. He says no to that, even to the point where he keeps his mouth silent, for if he threw her under the bus, she would have died and lost her life. So here's a 17-year-old that chose to be thrown under the bus yet again, misunderstood, misrepresented. He had a dream in his life. He didn't plan for this and goes to prison. He's in prison almost 12 years before he gets a nod. He doesn't become a victim. He doesn't curse God. He doesn't blame God. He sat there and marinated in prison for something he did not do didn't justify himself. He put his time in. Let me, he, he lost his 20s, by the way. He laid down his life in his 20s and was silent. God was doing something bigger than could ever imagine. He always knew he was going to do big things, but he stayed in that marinating dish. He didn't microwave it. He let God start just cooking something on the end time. He didn't know it was to change a nation. He was just trying to think of himself. How do I get out of jail? But he was being faithful. He was listening. He was pressing in, what is God saying? God, why am I here? What can I learn while I'm here? What got me here? But he never chose to curl up in a ball, start sucking his thumb, and feeling sorry for himself. He let God develop him, marinate him, build him into the character that one day would need. And then guess what? At 28 years old, he started interpreting some dreams. He started unlocking a gift that was on the inside of him. And when he unlocked that gift, he comes between the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh makes him number two because of a gift on his life. 
that he let develop. That gift was always in there. But God knew, man, if he keeps going to his own ways, he's going to be wearing that jacket everywhere. He's going to be always about himself. He needed to be humbled. He needed to be able to be quiet enough to let God speak to him. And in that season, all the way to verse chapter 46, I mean, is the first time he gets to see his brothers since he was 17 years old, 13 years later. It says what I love about it, he's released at age 30, and he had the dream that there's going to be seven years of good time, and then there's going to be seven years of bad time. So at 30 years old, he's released, has the dream. So by 37 now, 17, 20 years, okay, 20 years since he's seen his family, and then it had to go through two more years of it went to the seven years of hard times and two years into the seven years of hard times when his brothers came so here you get this young kid at 17 that was sold into slavery that did jail time that did all these hard things that didn't let his heart get hard that was called back in to do something mighty for a nation knowing that not only did he have a dream that was going to change an entire nation it was going to save his family's life get him back in front of his dad he was able to bestow forgiveness because he'd been marinating. God gave him the character, the integrity to be able to forgive at one of the highest offenses there was, to be able to step into his calling, be able to step into that. And he got to spend the last years of his dad's life with his dad. Pharaoh said, bring your whole family. I'm going to look after him. I'm going to look after him. Think of the character development. But he was 39 years old before he got to see his brothers again. People could say, I've wasted my life. He could have checked out, said, oh, I'm too old to do anything. My best years are behind me. What could God do with me now? Guess what? He never let that thought get entered in. He never let the enemy lie to him like that. He said, you know what? God, if you're will, you, something must be big. If you've been having me marinate this long, I'm going to do something bigger than I even dreamed possible. So I just want you to be encouraged because we got to have the power to marinate we got to be doing this Christian life looking at the long game, not the short game. This isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. It says we're going to leave a legacy to our kids, kids, kids. Yeah, we can't even take care of ourselves yet. Because why do we keep getting out of the dish? Why do we keep not allowing people to speak into us? Why do we keep bouncing instead of marinating so God can do something radical? Listen, I need all of us to get a slow cooker mentality right now. Get up in that slow cooker. Let God start to develop. Because guess what? It's the power of preparation where God was still, we're still talking about Genesis. Listen, in January, when we all start reading the Bible together, we can all get through Genesis. All right? That's like six weeks in. This story is like six weeks in. And then I want you to read it and be like, man, I remember the time Pastor Matt came down and preached. Man, where am I? From when he preached this to now, where am I? I want this to be the seed, and I want to know what's the harvest, what's the fruit, what's the tree look like in January, into January. And then let's celebrate. I'm going to put myself on the preaching roster if I get invited back, and I want to find out what, what have we done in that. What's the marination look like? How's the aroma of your life? Which brings me into the second story. This is the story of Matthew 25, 14 to 30, when Jesus is teaching a parable to his disciples. 
And this is the word that we want to understand. I'm going to read it to you because you can never go wrong reading the word of God. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money, one of the most precious things back in the day, entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to one another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Somebody say abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant received the five bags of silver, began to invest the money, and earned five more. The servant who had two bags of silver also went to work. Someone say, went to work. Good for you. That's good. We all got to be working. I'm telling you right now, I can't tell you the mentality of like, a, oh, I'm, I don't, the entitlement of the non-work. For me to find a manager, I finally found a manager after two weeks for one of my restaurants, comes in to our first meeting ever, he's nine minutes late. I said, hey man, our meeting was at nine. He goes, that's the best I could do. I said, I don't know what the best I could do is just give you a check right now and say thank you. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. I'm a doctor, that's just anatomy, it's fine, I'm not being sacrilegious. But I tell you that because I was like, huh, and to find good people, it's amazing. And so I want to celebrate those people that stick with you through the good times, the bad times, they can handle it. It's not all peachy, but it says right here that this guy went to work. He accelerated what he was doing. So the servant went on. He went to work. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account after they had used this money. A servant who had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now so will I give you many more responsibilities. Let's go celebrate together. A servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I earned two more. The master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities, so let's celebrate together. I think we forget to celebrate, everybody. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops. Where you'd, a little judgmental, don't you think? Harvesting crops you didn't gather and... You didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, loser mentality. So I hid it in the earth. Look here. Here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops and I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a bad Yelp review right there. (laughs) But I want to just give us five little things that God was really speaking to me on when it came to this, because I love the fact that his master replied, well done, good, faithful servant. God wants to celebrate you. God wants to celebrate you. He's giving you gifts according to your ability. 
Guess what? Every one of these three servants, they got a gift according to their ability. So let me tell you something. Everyone in this room, you have a gift. They might be differing, but you can always double down on your gift. If you can know that you know that you have a gift and you allow that gift to be multiplied, if you allow that gift to be marinated, God can use that gift and increase that gift on you. And if you could be faithful with that gift, no matter how big or small, guess what? There's always more on the other side. But if you choose to do nothing with the gift that God has given you, it will be taken. So we all have these gifts. All these gifts are God's gifts and used for his glory. It is a reminder that God has expectations of every one of us. So I just want to give five things. The first one is God's entrusted us. The things we have in life are a blessing from God, and he's entrusted with us all of it. He's given us, you know, many different things, and all of us, that's why it's called the body of Christ, some the hand, some the foot, some the, it, we're not all the one same thing. But he calls together to be the body of Christ because we all have a different gift. We're all going to play a different role to build and advance his kingdom and build the house of the Lord. And as we build his house, he'll build ours. But we all have these differences, whether it's in financial status, health, intellect, skills, talents. But no matter how much or how little, they're all gifts from God. I love there's an article out today about a gentleman that had the revelation. Everything I've been given, I'm worth $15.7 billion. And everything I've been given, I've realized I've been given to God. So I'm going to give it back to God. That's the CEO, founder, and owner of Hobby Lobby. Just turned 80 years old. Took him 80 years to pick up what I'm trying to. Wow. But he's amassed all this wealth. And what's amazing is he realizes he's a gift. And he's been given a gift and he's been generous. So God's been doubling it down. So it's amazing. Maybe even some of us that haven't had a gift, maybe you've given some of that gift to him. So look at what he's done with it. He recently has been going around to multiple different pastors, finding out how much debt they're in. Did COVID get him in a fight? But he's, you know, he's making sure there's fruit there. So he's looking for the right fruit. When he sees the pastors with right fruit, he'll be like, hey, how much debt is your church in? What's the building? And a friend of mine that just had this happen to him sat down with him and said, ah, half a million, 450,000. It's our building debt. And he was justifying, no, no, I don't want you to justify it. I just want to buy your church. And my buddy's like, my church isn't for sale. And he goes, well, don't worry about it. I'm going to sell it right back to you for a dollar. And he goes, come on. And he goes, no, God told me to start going to make sure that I make a difference. And I see your congregation. I see your youth group. He said, I specifically see what you're doing in youth ministry. I believe in what you're doing. So I'm right. I'm buying your church today. I'm having my attorneys are here. He flew in on his private jet. And he said, I'm going to sell it back to you for a dollar. I want you to be debt-free. You're doing the work of the Lord. And I want to make sure I accelerate and advance the work you're doing. That's how God multiplied maybe that one talent pastor. But let me tell you that he was saying that he's now done this multiple times. And there's been multiple pastors that won't do it because they think something's going on. See, some of these pastors let their heart get hardened so God can't use them anymore. Because they started burying their talent. So they buried some trust. And in the Bradley Trust, God's sending somebody, a master, to double down on what they're doing, but they're not allowing it. Don't let our heart get hard towards the kingdom, to trusting an almighty father. They could send someone in a moment that can shift things over your life. It's amazing. God's entrusted us to be a blessing. Number two, use your gifts wisely. What we do with our blessing, what have we been doing with our blessings we've been given? 
Can we tangibly say God gives us free will to choose? He loves us so much that he allows us to freely decide our path in life. He desires that we grow our gifts for his glory, but it's such to each of us to decide. Are we going to help the needy? Are we going to take a weekend out even though we're busy and maybe go down to Dream City to that Colorado city and help people that have lost their way, that got locked up into a cult? that have given up on God? Are we going to be the type of church that goes down there just to love on them for a weekend, just to take time to help them get out of their own way so they can change the course of their life? It's just one week. Can we sacrifice a week? What can we do with the talent, the blessing? Can we show mercy? Can we grant forgiveness? Can we love one another? Can we find out maybe who's struggling on our street that we live on and figure out how to bless that person? It's the little things. God's giving you a gift, but he will give more if you're using the gift that we got. If we're holding that gift for ourselves, then guess what? He can't multiply because the harder you grip it, the harder you hold, the more he can't get in there. If you can give God room to move, guess what? I promise you he'll move. Number three, ability matters. The talents, the silver, the coins, the gold, we're given according to each's ability. We're created with different skills and abilities and are never entrusted with more than God knows we can handle. He ensures us that we will have resources, skills, the ability to accomplish. His will for our life, no matter how small, how great the goal is, is for us to do something with the gift he has given you. And if we could do something with that gift, you could see it multiplied because he'll bring other people in. I want to make sure when we get in front of the Lord, he's going to show us. He's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. I gave you this. Look what you did with this. Hubbard, you were a one talent dude. Look at you. You got up to the five talent show. I'm so proud of you. I, I, I even Gabriel and I were totally shocked. Is that Hubbard? Look at that guy. It's that Michaela girl we sent him. God bless her. I was a tither. She wasn't. You know what I'm saying? We just got, oh. I love it. Number four, accountability matters. People have a weird thing on judgment. But I want to let you know that accountability is such a great thing. The people that I can hold in business with my Maverick Entrepreneur, when I can hold them accountable, I watch them accelerate. That's why I love, I teach goal setting every year. The people that have an accountability partner that attach to goal setting, they crush goals. People that don't have anyone because they don't really want to let them in, it's amazing how many goals they could have hit, but they didn't because they didn't let someone in the world to speak life, to hold them accountable, to hold them. But listen, you gotta, you gotta imagine a father that loves his children and wants the best for them, has expectations of them. I love my kids. I have expectations. I want them to be the best. I set rules. I set boundaries. I try to keep them safe on the right path. And when they go astray or they do something dumb, I correct them. Right. See, this the same thing is true with God, but people say judgment. He's really just trying to correct his kids. He looks kindly on those that use his gifts and blessings well and prudently. He can get disappointed with those that turn away from him, but he gave us a free will. And he will correct us if we allow him. Or we could just stay not under his blessing and keep train wrecking. Wow. I'm going to tell you, my little boy was riding his four-wheeler without a helmet. Guess what? He lost privilege of that four-wheeler for a while. 
He had to come back and earn some trust with his daddy that I knew, like, you can't be riding that. It's a bad example for your brother. If you hit a tree, knock yourself out, then I got other problems. Now your mom's mad at me. Listen, you're wearing that helmet. And because you disobeyed, there's consequence. You're not driving that four-wheeler for a while until I can entrust you. And you know when I can entrust him? When I see there's a repentant heart. That's the faster I go, oh, my boy feels bad. And then I help him disciple and hold him accountable to always wearing his helmet. Guess what? Then I could let him do bigger things on that four-wheeler, drive faster, get crazier. It's the same way with God. He's a good, good father. But what are we doing with that? And the last one, number five, is we are called. The Lord gives according to our abilities, but as we prove ourselves trustworthy by choosing God's will, growing in faith and sharing, he entrusts us with more. This is how a child learns his parents' trust, by doing the right things in small ways that proves himself worthy and more freedoms and perks and blessings follow. It's not that hard. I mean, man, God makes it so easy. If we can deepen our relationship with Jesus, grow our abilities, and eventually become entrusted with more blessing to be used for God's glory, it will expand the cycle of God's amazing will that's over our lives. If we can marinate, if we can allow ourselves to be discipled, if we could just understand the parable of that talents, God can do radical things. And I want to end with this. It's Romans 8. And I encourage you to read it later. Martin Luther King said Romans is the greatest book for all new believers, and it's the kickoff book that really took the, took the church. And I really believe it's an injection of hope, the book of Romans. If we could read Proverbs to get wisdom, and we could read Romans just to get that injection of what God expects and believes for us, we can walk into a new level of authority. Certainty is very attractive. If you're good at sales, you have a lot of certainty. The more certainty you have, listen, if I'm trying to sell you a bed and I have eight pounds of certainty and you have five pounds of doubt, guess what? You're buying the bed for me. You know what I'm saying? But if I walk in with four pounds of certainty, you should buy this bed and you have eight pounds of certainty, you don't need it. You're not walking out with a bed. It works like this in every area. If you walk in thinking Jesus is your savior, hoping he's your savior, and you're trying to talk to your neighbor about the goodness of God on a level three certainty, and they got nine pounds of doubt because they came out of some faith that they found out they shouldn't have been in, they're not going to trust your two pounds of certainty. Get in the word of God. He will inject certainty in your soul and build a muscle of faith that you didn't know was on the inside of you. He will accelerate blessing and favor and anointing. That Bible scripture used the words abundance. I don't know why Christians have a problem with that. And I don't mean abundance. I know. I know. I just want to tell you that visual is stuck in my head for years when Pastor Harrigan, he did it one time to me. It took nine years to take that thought captive. But it broke some religious spirit off my mind when it came to, I had a poverty mentality. I didn't know as a Christian I could thrive. One of my good friends just bought a house down the street for me. It was $2.5 million, gorgeous house. And the owner, man, had this huge Christian cross up on the hill, this Lord's Supper thing that he left my friend. And he said something. He said, man, I never thought a Christian would be able to afford this house. I'm so grateful you're able to. And I said, what'd you say? He said, oh, yeah, he, he, this is the guy that I toured this house with. I'm like, you really didn't think a Christian could buy this house? 
I think most Christians I know are broke and don't think they deserve to be wealthy or do anything. I said, man, you need to come to my church. God has given you an ability. Deuteronomy 8.28, God gives you the ability to acquire wealth. Whether you want to give it all away is up to you. I recommend being a cheerful giver. But let me end on this last verse, because I know this is the, the, the bookend, and i got to land this plane so I can get invited back. But it says in verse 26, Romans 8, 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Lord knows we have lots of weaknesses. That's why he sends you the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, you ask Jesus in your life, that third trinity, you get the Holy Spirit with you, but you want to act you want to activate. You want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. How do you know if you're baptized? You're praying in tongues. You're walking in the gifts. Not the fruits of the Spirit. Listen, I want us all to work on our fruits, but I just don't want you to be fruity. I want you to have some gifts which are free. Those gifts come with power. Read the book of Action. It's not really the book. It's the book of Acts, but I like it because it is the book of Action. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. Power comes on you. Authority comes on you. You're going to lay hands on the sick, and they will be healed. You're going to prophesy. Dreams are going to come back to life over your life. Like, oh, I'm not really comfortable with that. Then marinate on it. Marinate on that word. And watch what God does in your life. But he says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers. Praying in the Spirit, guess what? The Holy Spirit's fighting for you in your weakness. And it says, in harmony with God's own will. And it says in verse 28, which people love to quote all the time, but I'd rather them know it than quote it. And we know what God causes, everything to work together for good for those who love God and called according to his purposes for them. And then if you skip down to verse 31, I want to end on this. I want you to have this revelation. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? I'm going to tell you who. Nobody. Nobody. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in your mind? Do you believe that in your heart? Or do you believe it deep in your soul? This is your pen drop. What do you believe about that statement? Is it a Christianese statement? Is it your life statement? Or is it your legacy statement? I could tell when I hear people. It says, check the fruit. Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us from whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Again, no. It says, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or backsliding or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things. You ready? Only two of you. Are you ready? I want you to hear this. Despite all these things, no matter where you're at right now, with God, 
overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You either believe that here, here, or here, and I encourage you, let it drop into your soul. How will I know? Because you'll crave the Word of God. How will I know? Because you'll want to show up and be in the soil that helps you marinate and accelerate your life. How do I know? Because I was that Christian that went to a great Christian family upbringing that would sit and praise songs, but I was numb in my heart. I was living my life, going to church on Sunday out of respect for my mom and dad. But when I met a man that gave me an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it forever changed my life. And all I've been doing is holding on for dear life, but seeing radical miracles and miracles and miracles. And I'm watching talents increase, blessings increase, territory increase. You're territory takers. You all have a gift. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. Don't ever beat yourself up. Show me one place in the Bible that says, bow your head and look down. All I read is look up. Look up. There's a Father in heaven that loves you, and quit looking down and feeling shame about your life, feeling bad for the mistakes you've made, bad for the talents you've been given. God gave you those talents. Some of you just need to bring them down to the altar and give them back to God so he can multiply them. Some of you need to forgive yourself. Some of you need to forgive those that have trespassed against you. Some of you got to quit beating yourself up. You're not where you want to be in business. Give it to the Lord. You're not where you want to be in marriage or kids or give it to the Lord. Let him multiply your talents. He will increase your life. Discipleship is really just taking someone on a journey and speaking life into them, correcting them. It's the guardrails on your life. You might, well, I drive a Prius. I don't need guardrails. That's okay. But as you trust the Lord, he's going to give you a faster car spiritually. And at some point, you're not going to know how to drive a car that fast. So you're going to appreciate guardrails. Because when you hit them, Pastor Matt can help. Hey, let's buff that thing out. Let's just try to control it, slow it down around the 35 zone. Hey, let's just watch this. He's going to give you pointers because he's down the track. God's going to give him wisdom to lead. He's a shepherd. He's a good shepherd looking after every one of you. He'll stand before the Lord one day. I know he has a righteous fear about that. So do I. But as we lead, you got to be able to let people speak in your life that God's putting your life for a reason. Get in a connect group to get connected. Get into, if you're a business person, get to Bathfinders. If you're a man, get to emerge. If you're women, you just miss cherish. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ask for the card. We'll bless you with it. But just lift your hands up because God's going to shift this city. In order to shift the city, he's going to shift your family. In order to shift your family, he's going to shift you, the person that he cares about, that he created, that he knows every hair on your head, every DNA, every struggle you're dealing with, but you've got to learn to trust him and give it to him. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you right now that you sent Awakened Church to bring revival.
to awaken those that are lost, those that are spiritually dead, that they've lost their way. God, I thank you, Lord, for this house. God, I thank you for four that will surround the city, that will break down strongholds. That God, like your word says in Matthew, that we will celebrate. God, I thank you for the gifts that are being multiplied in this house. Lord, let those gifts accelerate, be multiplied. And God, I thank you in that, Lord, let us celebrate them. God, I thank you for these, these great men and women that want to raise up champions. I thank you for the youth that find the truth, that they will not be dissuaded or influenced or groomed in the wrong direction, but righteousness will stand in a city. God, I thank you for the next generation that will be raised up in this church. God, I thank you for wisdom and discernment to do radical things. I thank you for those that believe that they have a God dream to do something in business, to take territory for your kingdom, God. Line them up with the right people, the right financers, the right business people, the right people that know how to sow when and where. God, we thank you for authority in this house to speak at mountains and they'll be removed. God, we thank you for life and life to the full in this house. Those that are turning their hearts back to you, Lord. God, soften their heart today. God, we thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. Let them have ears to hear and a heart to receive. Let there be a harvest in the next four months, a radical, tangible harvest in this house. We thank you for this property on the front of it. We claim that property is awakened Salt Lake City. No one else will have it. We curse any other offering. God, that you put it as a ram in the thicket for this house, that we will build the most magnificent church on that piece of land, that we could do radical things in this building, radical youth events, radical things, Lord, that will impact a city that you love. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.